You are listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope you are encouraged by this today. For more information about our weekly services or messy church, you can find us at haddingtonelamchurch.com. We've been looking at Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. And last week we left off, it was kind of like a, uh, uh, the old television shows where it leaves off at a cliffhanger, so you have to tune in next week. Last week we looked at he was being let down or lowered down into a cistern. And it says that they let him down with ropes. So that would say to me, or at least I would guess that it was pretty deep. That it wasn't just, you know, that they could just see him. He was just there a few feet. Probably if they'd have thrown him down in, something would have been broken. But he was put into this cistern that was filled with mud and muck and mire. They wanted him, they actually just wanted to put him to death for encouraging desertion and causing the people's hearts to faint. Remember, he gave the true word of God and he said, you need to leave the city. You need to go over to the Babylonians. If you stay in the city, it's going to be bad for you. He didn't make this up. He wasn't a deserter. He wasn't a coward and just thought that this would be a good idea. God told him this specifically, what he wanted him to say and do. He warned that judgment was coming and that the people needed to repent. So this is an actual prophet of God. There was many false prophets. An actual prophet of God gives him the words of God. Instead of listening to the life-giving or life-saving words from God, they rejected it. This is how you live. So if somebody says you're in a, in a situation and, and you're looking for advice, maybe you go to your doctor and he says, you need to change your diet. You need to stop eating sugar. He's giving you life-saving words. You can heed it or you could say, that guy doesn't know anything. I'm going to get me a Snickers bar because I love me some sugar. People can give you life-saving words. This is the word of God. We looked at last week as well uh, how the covenant people, the people of Israel and God made a covenant there with Joshua at Shechem. But Jeremiah prophesied that Jerusalem would fall and that the people would be handed over to the Babylonian army. So it wasn't a time where he said that, don't worry, God's going to fight on your behalf. You'll see the salvation of the Lord. He's saying, basically, you are going to have to go out to the Babylonians because Jerusalem's going to fall. We're past that now. The king's officials, including Pasher the priest, which the priest should have been in Jeremiah's corner. The priests were the ones that represented God to the people. They should have been in Jeremiah's corner. But this shows how far the people were away from God. So even the priest tried to convince the king that Jeremiah should be put to death because he disheartened the soldiers and the people. So they're trying to tell everyone, you just hang tight. God's going to come through. Except that God's like, excuse me. (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) No, I'm not. In fact, what he says is you need to leave. You need to go over to the Babylonians. So their intent putting him into the cistern was to kill him by starvation while allowing the officials to claim to be innocent of his blood. There are many people who like make schemes but then find themselves not responsible for it. They wanted to put him in the cistern knowing that he would die but they didn't want to just outright kill him and then they would say his blood is not on our hands. Last week we looked at how Zedekiah, that he was an illegitimate king and that Jehoiachin was the true king But he had surrendered previously a few years prior already over to Babylon. In fact, the king of Babylon treated him kindly and he actually uh, did well in Babylon. But they put Zedekiah in place. That wasn't even his name. They changed his name and they put him in place. He's the illegitimate king. But he would do whatever Babylon said. 
So he just was a proxy in place there of Nebuchadnezzar. But he tried to go behind the scenes and try to make alliances with Egypt and a few other nations. And he tried to find a way to overthrow Babylon. But when the king got wind of that, the king of Babylon, they brought siege ramps against Jerusalem. The siege lasted two years against Jerusalem. If you've ever seen in History Channel or something, the siege would be, everything would be put against the city. There was no going out, no coming in. And so two years, at the end of the two years, all the food ran out. So maybe the the storehouses of grain or the other things they had, it's all run out. Two years was a long time for them to be under siege. And this is where we pick up from last week. Again, you can listen back over that if you missed it. We're going to be looking at Jeremiah 38, beginning in verse 7. And last week we left off with them being lowered down into the cistern. Ebed Moloch, the Ethiopian, a eunuch, while he was in the king's palace, heard that they had put Jeremiah into the cistern. Now the king was sitting in the gate of Benjamin, and Ebed Moloch went out from the king's palace and spoke to the king, saying, My lord the king, these men have acted wickedly in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the cistern. And he will die right where he is because of the famine, for there is no more bread in the city. Jeremiah may have been thinking he was going to die in that miry place. Many times in our life, maybe we think that's it. We're going down for the last time. We're going to die in that place. But he knew that God had promised that he would look after him. Remember in the beginning, God says, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. I've set you apart. And God gives him a list of things he wants him to do. And he says, but I now will be with you. Friends, that's what we need to know if we have a little asterisk next to our name when the enemy's telling us, you're going down, you're going to die, this is it. He's with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He is with us. God promised to look after him. But the reality is that it's a cold, dank, dark, miry place. And like I said last week, I don't know how deep the mud was that he sank in. I mean, even if it was only ankle deep, that's still unpleasant. Imagine if your feet never can dry out, and it's just, it's just awful. And it was a place without hope. I mean, you know, Jeremiah might have been thinking, well, if God is God, he will save me. I won't have to go into the cistern. Notice Jeremiah went into the cistern, allowed by God or permitted that they put him there in the cistern. Sometimes God allows some of those things in our lives, but he's with us. And that's a key to know that he's with us. He's always with us and that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. It's enough if he just said, I'll never leave you. That's a great promise. But I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God would not leave him there, but instead raised up a deliverer, a non-Jewish man who took his own life in his hands. This Ethiopian eunuch had to go petition before the king. And in those days, you didn't just walk in and tell the king what you thought. He took his life in his own hands because guess what? He could have been like, you don't like Jeremiah in the cistern? Go join him. You could be his company. Maybe you could sing a song to him tonight. Those are usually the the words that you would say to the king that those men that put him in there were acting wickedly and it's a wicked thing that they've done to the prophet of God. That isn't usually what you would say to the king. The king probably didn't want to do that to Jeremiah. As we could read, he has a dialogue with Jeremiah coming up, but he gave no resistance. When they said, we should put him in this cistern, the king wasn't like, no, 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 you're not going to do that. He gave in to them. He was spineless and seemed to have no opinion of his own. Have you ever met people who just don't have an opinion? They don't know. I don't know. 
Maybe he's pointing out to the king that although they didn't outright kill Jeremiah, he will still die of starvation or thirst. And no matter what they try to tell their consciences, that is still murdering innocent blood. So whether they would have killed him outright or killed him a month from now as he died of thirst or starvation, you're still killing an innocent man, especially God's man. So this sways the king, continuing on in verse 10. And then the king commanded Ebed-Malek the Ethiopian, saying, Take 30 men from here, under your authority, and bring up Jeremiah the prophet from the cistern before he dies. So Ebed-Malek took the men under his authority and went to the king's palace to a place beneath the storeroom and took from there worn-out clothes and worn-out rags and let them down by ropes into the cistern to Jeremiah. Then Ebed-Malek the Ethiopian said to Jeremiah, Now put these worn-out clothes and rags under your armpits, under the ropes. And Jeremiah did so. And so they pulled Jeremiah up with the ropes and lifted him out of the cistern. And Jeremiah stayed in the court of the guardhouse. So this man, Ebed-Malek, an Ethiopian, not even from there, rescued Jeremiah by pulling him out of the cistern. But Jeremiah still remained a prisoner until Jerusalem fell to the Babylonian army. He was given permission to save Jeremiah. That's a good thing. He allowed Jeremiah's life to be saved. There were other men assigned who could provide protection. They didn't need all 30 men to pull him out. He wasn't probably at that point. He was probably just bones. So they didn't need this many men to pull him out. But they probably realized as they're pulling him out or as they're rescuing him, maybe others are going to come to try to kill him. So he assigns him 30 men. And then they show him a kindness and give him these old clothes to put under his arms because the ropes probably would have dug into him as they're pulling him out. And for me, that sounds like it would have been a great distance. It wouldn't have been just a quick, you know, he's not 10 feet down and it's a quick pull and he's up. For the ropes and the, the stuff to be there, it must have been a distance in this cistern. But even though he's out of the cistern, he's still under arrest. They still refuse to listen to the true words of God. Even today, people still choose to listen to lies instead of trusting God's word. Friends, his word is true. Of himself, he says, he is the truth. And I, I was mentioning last week, but there's just something, there used to be a, a show, I think it was like, like Three Lies and the Truth. There was a, a game show or something. Like for whatever reason, people seem so easy to believe the lie. But you could tell somebody the truth and they have the hardest time accepting or believing the truth. And I don't know why that is. Maybe the lie just sounds so much better. Maybe it just oozes uh, that, it's, that it, it has much more to it. But in Revelation 19.11, it says this, And after that I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse appeared. The one who is riding it is called faithful, trustworthy, loyal, incorruptible, steady, and true. He's faithful and true. And he passes judgment and wages war in righteousness, Holiness, justice, and uprightness. Friends, he's faithful and true. He tells us the truth. I don't know why. We just seem to always want to believe the lie. Especially from the enemy. He tells us lies all the time. For God's people, Israel, to reject his words. The one who saves. The one whose history they know. Many of them would have experienced it. They would have been part of those who came through the wilderness. So to reject the one whose word saves showed their heart's condition. 
The word of the Lord, it says, if you read in a lot of those, wasn't common in those days. So here's God's word coming through Jeremiah, the word of the Lord from the prophet, and they're rejecting it. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. So they would listen to these men of the king who said that we're going to, whether win this war or fight this battle, instead of listening to the word of God to just surrender and go out. That's the only way you're going to spare your life is if you surrender. Friends, we can do the same things. We can exchange the truth of God for a lie. His word is true. But today, many try to change or twist the meaning to their own desires. He is life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He's life, but many choose death by rejecting him. We know the truth. Jesus said the truth will set you free. He is the truth. The people needed to simply listen to God who spoke to them by the mouth of Jeremiah and disaster would have been avoided. Many of us sometimes are praying and want the answer from God and sometimes God gives the answer but it's not what we want. And we don't do it. Remember when um, the, the man with the leprosy, he came to, I think, Elijah. And Elijah just said, dunk in the river seven times. And the guy's like, that's the stupidest thing. I've, I'm paraphrasing. The stupidest thing I've ever heard. I have nicer rivers where I'm from. What in the world good is dunking seven times in the Jordan River? That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. And he was mad. Remember, he leaves mad. And his assistant says to him, well, like, if he'd have told you he had to do this hard thing or this difficult thing or spend all this money, you'd have done it, right? Well, yeah. Well, he's telling you dunk in the river. Just simply do it. And it says that the guy dunked in the river seven times and his skin was smooth like a baby's. Sometimes God tells us to do something that just sounds foolish or easy. And it could be what he's saying to do. All they had to do was listen to what God said. It says this in Romans verse 3 and 4. I'm reading a couple of these verses out of the Amplified. And Paul says, what if some did not believe and were without faith? Does their lack of faith and their faithlessness nullify and make ineffective and void the faithfulness of God and the fidelity to his word? By no means. Let God be found true, though every human being is false and a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified and shown to be upright in what you say and prevail when you are judged by sinful men. Friends, let God be true and every man a liar. God is true and his word is true. No matter what we think, it doesn't depend on what we think. It's the truth of God. His word is true, even if we don't agree with it, even if it's hard. And there's a lot of times people read a Bible, maybe they're not a, a Christian, and they come across something that's just hard. And they're like, I'm out. This isn't for me. Whether we like it, it's God's word. He will be proved true upright and just in all he does. We can't accuse God. God is right and just. Our hearts can deceive us. That's the thing I think people forget about, that our hearts can deceive us. We know that the Bible says that every man did what was right in his own eyes. Our hearts can deceive us. Our motives can be less than pure. Who can know the heart of a man? God can know the heart. But God is always right and faultless in all that he does. He's the creator, and we do well to remember that. Sometimes we think we've made God in our image. He's the creator, and he's made us. Continuing on, and then Zedekiah sent and had Jeremiah the prophet brought to him at the third entrance that is in the house of the Lord. And the king said to Jeremiah, I'm going to ask you something. Do not hide anything from me. 
And then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, if I tell you, will you not certainly put me to death? Besides, if I give you advice, you will not listen to me. But Zedekiah swore to Jeremiah in secret, saying, as the Lord lives, who made this life for us. It's so funny that he's all of a sudden quoting what God would say. Who made this life for us. Surely I will not put you to death, nor will I give you over to the hand of these men who are seeking your life. Still wanting to preserve his life. Zedekiah is meeting with Jeremiah in secret. Can you not tell me what the word of the Lord is? I promise nothing's going to happen to you. It's almost kind of comical. Jeremiah gives him the word from God. The king's track record at this point isn't good. It's not like Jeremiah's like, oh, this is a guy. I'll tell him what he wants to know. I'll give him the truth. He's like, I'm going to tell you what you want me to say. I'm going to tell you what God says, and you're going to kill me. You're going to still turn me over. Jeremiah knows that they still want to kill him, and he can't trust Zedekiah nor the people. And it's also interesting to note that the king could have set Jeremiah free at this point. He's under arrest still. He could have said, tell me what God says and I'll set you free. Uh, You won't have to be, you could go anywhere that you want. No, he's still under arrest. Warren Wearsby says this, Jeremiah had a dilemma. If Jeremiah told him the truth, the king might kill him and he wouldn't obey the word of God anyway. God gave the king one last chance to repent, but he only made excuses If he surrendered to Nebuchadnezzar, he might be accused and abused by the Jews who had gone over to the enemy. And what would happen to his family left in the city? Perhaps the men who wanted to kill Jeremiah would kill them. So he's saying, Jeremiah, if I do what God says and I go out, what's going to happen to my family? In fact, those Jews that have already gone over, are they going to just abuse me or kill me? Because now I'm the king and I've gone over to the enemy. He's making excuses. And Jeremiah said to him, Verse 17, thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, if you will indeed go out to the officers of the king of Babylon, then you will live. This city will not be burned with fire. So they're sparing your life and sparing the city. And you and your household will survive. But if you will not go out to the officers of the king of Babylon, then the city will be given over to the hand of the Chaldeans and they will burn it with fire and you yourself will not escape from their hand. So he asks for the word from God, and God gives it to him. And then the king said this to Jeremiah, verse 19, I dread the Jews who have gone over to the Chaldeans, for they may give me over into their hand, and they will abuse me. And Jeremiah said, they will not give you over. Please obey the Lord in what I am saying to you, that it may go well with you and that you may live. Here's still compassion. God is compassionate to the end. Here's still compassion. God's like giving him one last chance. But if you keep refusing to go out, this is the word which the Lord has shown me. Then behold, all of the women who have been left in the palace of the king of Judah are going to be brought out to the officers of the king of Babylon. And those women will say, your close friends have misled and overpowered you. While your feet were sunk in the mire, they turned back. They will also bring out all your wives and your sons to the Chaldeans, and you yourself will not escape from their hand, but will be seized by the hand of the king of Babylon, and this city will be burned with fire. Think of the picture of this, what's going on. He's meeting secretly with Jeremiah, and he says, is there not a word from the Lord? 
And he says, you have this opportunity to repent. You have an opportunity to go over and surrender. Your life will be spared. Your family will be spared. And the city will be spared. But in essence, what he's saying, if the king did not or would not listen to God, the very thing he feared most would happen. I find that so fascinating. What he feared most was his family being killed and all that went along with that. And he's saying, Jeremiah's saying, if you don't listen, the, the, what you fear most is what's exactly going to happen. His fear paralyzed him. He couldn't make a decision. He had choices here. He could have repented and led his people in repentance. For two years, they, they were under siege. Two years, they could have had a revival service and a repentance service. He could have led the people as a good king and led him in repentance. He could have heeded the words of the Lord and surrendered the city and spared everyone's lives. God says, if you go out, you won't lose your life. He could have humbled himself before God and asked for help. Did you notice he didn't even ask for help? He didn't even say, God, will you destroy these enemies on our behalf? He didn't even ask for God's help. Instead, he chose none of these. He listened to the wicked men, and it cost him dearly. He could have spared his wives and children's lives by obeying God. I made a note, be careful who you're listening to. I mentioned about that in business, people sometimes want to surround themselves with yes men. They just agree with everything the boss says. Good bosses put themselves with people who disagree with them or could give them areas that they maybe is their blind spot. And they could say, you know what, in this division, this isn't going so well. We need to change up some leadership here. Be careful who you're surrounding yourself with or who you're listening to. Verse 24, and then Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, let no man know about these words and you will not die. But if the officials hear that I've talked with you and come to you and say to you, tell us now what you said to the king and what the king said to you. Do not hide it from us and you will not be put to death. Then you are to say to them, I was presenting my petition before the king not to make me return to the house of Jonathan to die there. Although titled king, Zedekiah was weak and fearful. As I mentioned, he wasn't legitimate. He gave in to fear and was even afraid of his own people that they would kill him. Even if he listened to what God said, he was afraid if I go out, the, the other Jews will kill me. Instead of encouraging himself and his people with that one last word from God, he instructs Jeremiah to keep the word of the Lord from everyone. Even today, there's some that suppress the truth. So instead of the king saying, tell the people what God says, because everyone else may not listen, but those that do, their lives can be spared. He says, don't tell anyone what you said. Don't tell anyone what God said. It's like Jesus said of, of the uh, religious leaders, they're the blind leading the blind. He wouldn't help himself, he wouldn't help anyone else, and he didn't want anyone else to be helped. Verse 27, then all the officials came to Jeremiah and questioned him. So he reported to them in accordance with all these words which the king had commanded. And they ceased speaking with him since the conversation had not been overheard. So Jeremiah stayed in the court of the guardhouse until the day that Jerusalem was captured. He was under no obligation to tell these wicked men the conversation that he had with the king. And he didn't have to lie to keep their conversation private. Jeremiah would give life-saving words to the king. Literally, life or death, right there. The king can listen to God's word and have life, or they, he can reject it and have death. The word from God would, would spare many lives. It would spare the city and the temple. But the king refused to listen to the words of life. Jesus, the word 
that became flesh has also declared life-saving words. Many, like Zedekiah, refused to heed the words of Christ. And we've seen that. If you've ever shared your faith with someone, people just reject what you have to say. God has always had plans for us, for a future and a hope. But we, like sheep, have turned away, and the Bible says we've all gone our own way. The rejection by the king and the people had to hurt Jeremiah deeply. He was rejected 40 years telling the people they need to repent, and they rejected him and his word. In fact, the first week we looked at how he said that he's become a laughingstock. He can't even go to, to the, his local Tesco because he's a laughingstock for everything they made fun of that he said that had to have hurt him. No one likes rejection. I've never met anyone that's like, boy, I really like being rejected. But they also hurt him physically. He was put into a cistern and sank down into the mire, the pit of despair. And he would have slowly starved to death if not killed by the elements, thirst, or a variety of other ways. But our Lord also was rejected by the people. They didn't receive his words or heed his voice, and they hurt him physically too. They would go on to crucify him on the cross for our sin that wasn't his. Jeremiah was sentenced to die because he prophesied truth against Judah. Jesus was sentenced to die for being the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to God the Father. Jeremiah wept over Jerusalem and the people being taken away into captivity, the weeping prophet. Jesus wept over Jerusalem hundreds of years apart because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He said he longed to gather them as a hen gathers her chicks, but they would not. And I was thinking about this weeping prophet, and I was reminded about the verse that said Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He was moved with compassion. His heart was broken. He felt tremendous compassion for Jerusalem too. Jeremiah didn't want to see his city burned with fire and all his people taken away. Jesus hoped that they would embrace him at the hour of their visitation, but they would not. Remember the history, they murdered all the prophets that God sent to them. They had rejected their savior. And friends, if you have ever felt rejected, if you ever felt abandoned or heartbroken, Jesus knows how you feel. He went through everything as we do, the Bible says. He was betrayed even. If you've ever been betrayed by a friend or a family member, he was betrayed by one of 12 Betrayed with a kiss. And I'm going to finish with this verse in Isaiah. In Isaiah 53, he says, But he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Friends, nothing that we're facing today has missed the notice or attention of God. Jeremiah wasn't alone put in this pit by himself and forgotten and know well that's too bad God was with him and God raised up someone to deliver him so nothing that we're facing today has missed his notice 
He is aware of everything. Friends, we never go through anything alone. The enemy would tell us that we're alone, that we're forsaken, that we're forgotten. But God is with us. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He has tremendous compassion on us. He took all of our sin and shame upon himself. Jesus bears the fiery wrath of God against the sin of people, past, present, future. And then I have these couple of verses many of you will know out of Romans 9 and 10 that says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. It's like the voice of Jeremiah calling out to us today. He gave the word of God. Will we listen to God? See, the people needed to listen and obey the voice of God. He has saved us with his sacrifice. And he has provided the way for us going forward. And so just in the next moments, if you just bow your heads and just want to pray, but I just want you to just think about has God said something to you? Has God given you uh, an answer to prayer that maybe you've put off because it was just sounded silly or too easy or we've rejected the, the word of the Lord that he's telling us to do? And many of us may have at times missed the mark. Maybe God's given us that Holy Spirit nudge to share our faith with someone on the bus and we were too afraid and we missed it. prophet, this man of God, Jeremiah, who for 40 years was faithful. Lord, for enduring the, the shame and humiliation of others laughing at him. And then here you are, Jesus, who faced the shame, humiliation, rejection. And you know that we go through those things. So for us to feel ashamed or humiliated to share our faith with someone, facing it alone and although it may feel like muck and mire and it may feel like God that we're sinking and that we're not making any progress Lord I pray that you continue to lift us up and as we looked at in Psalm David said you have brought me up out of the miry clay you have placed my feet on a solid rock Father today I pray that if we're going and feeling that way that we're just in the muck and mire and that there seems to be no hope and no way out you lift us out of that pit of despair you set us on the rock of Jesus Christ. There is help available, Lord, and we just I just thank you for that, that you provided the way. So, Lord, I just pray anyone today, God, that is just feeling just weary and broken, Lord, maybe rejected, maybe forgotten, that we could just look to the face of Jesus, our Savior, who was all of those things. 
and yet you, you went through it all and you persevered and you prevailed and you can lift us up and you can keep us there with prayers. You said you make intercession for us before the Father, praying for us. So I thank you, God. I thank you, God. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.